I'm Shruti. And I'm Julie. And this is a podcast of convenience. The awkward silence where we stare into each other's eyes over <laughs> Zoom, waiting for somebody to come up with an intro idea, and we never do. Please cut out that long silence. It's deafening. I won't. I won't. <laughs> oh, no, please People do it. People need to know how awkward and awful we are. We're... We're having a hard time. We just tried to record. We talked for like 10 minutes and it was like all about COVID and sadness. And like I threw out my back and it was just not happy stuff. So we're like, you know what? Let's scrap the whole thing and start over again. Fully, fully deleted the files. And then we're like, let's try an actual podcast and not therapy session. Yeah, we couldn't come up with anything. And that's why there was an awkward silence. But you know what? That's life, guys. It's January of 2022 and we're here. Some of us are queer, and we are ready to talk about romance novels. (laughs) It's uh, a new year. You did holiday things, I assume? I did. We left for New Hampshire. I think I mentioned last time we talked that we were going to go to New Hampshire for Christmas, and we were there for like two weeks. And we left before um, the Omerion variant, Omicron, became like the dominant terrifying nightmare that it is. And so... We were somewhat like relaxed because New Hampshire is, I don't want to say it's like super isolated, but compared to Los Angeles, it's very isolated and a lot less people to run into. And so I got to meet a lot of Evan's family again because I've already gotten to meet most of them at this point. So there's a couple people I hadn't met and we went to Portsmouth, which I'd never been to. It's very cute. What's that? It's um a town in New Hampshire <laughs> that's like okay, kind of... Well, I- <laughs> It's kind of like, it's kind of touristy and liberal and Evan's uncle and aunt live near Portsmouth. And so they were like super cute. They took us out to dinner um, again before Omicron kind of like took over. So it wasn't super scary because we're all like vaccinated and boosted and masked and all that. And then the next day they like straight up got us a hotel room to stay in Portsmouth for the night. So we had like a little, you know, romantic vibes and the next morning we just like spent the morning in Portsmouth like doing touristy things and there's so many shops and I bought so many stupid things I didn't need cute and it was wonderful I love it yeah snow snow we had a fuckload of snow too which in Oregon is actually not all that common at least where I live in the valley it snowed enough that Billy and Lewis got trapped here for two days past when they were supposed to because their flights got delayed I heard that that was awesome for me. I got, you know, friends staying longer when we have not had people over to the house in ages, but I'm sure it like derailed the shit out of their lives. But I was like, yay, friends. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, awesome for you. Whatever. They can take two days off to hang out with you guys a little bit longer. It's fine. You're going to be okay, guys. Um, they did mention that we had like a little holiday gathering, uh, which again, we did all do rapid tests before we hung out. So. We talked about this in the intro that got scrapped, but we took a lot of um, rapid tests in the last couple of weeks and everyone was fine. Um, and we're probably not going to see anyone, anyone anytime soon um, because of all of that. Did you do anything situation. for New Year's? We went to my parents' house and we watched, my Spanish accent is so bad. We watched Encanto, Encanto, Encanto. <laughs> Okay, well, it's getting worse and worse. <laughs> of the levels, I would say maybe two. Maybe two? Okay. Maybe two. I loved it. I cried. 
I I have to get I have to steal someone's Disney Plus access for sure. I'll ask Evan. You can probably steal ours. Billy totally just gave us his Paramount Plus um account before he left the party, and we ended up watching Paranormal Activity like six or something because he's like you have to watch it six it takes place on an amish farm that sounds amazing actually it's so good it's so fun is it really yeah i really liked it it has nothing to do with the other paranormal activities but it's like super fun like actually scary or just fun um fun okay was i scared no but i had a good time Uh, i need to steal his login too yeah, he was like, that's what friends are for. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot what friends are like. <laughs> that was Yay, the, best, the best part so far of moving back to L.A. area is that, like, my friends are here, <laughs> and I miss them so much. And, like, Brittany, like, cat sat for us for, like, two weeks. She just stayed at our house and watched the cat. That's so nice. And then my parents, like, watched the dog, and I'm like, you know what? This is the best. I love having a support system. I forgot what it was like. Go team. I'm sorry, Julie. <laughs> I just said that and I'm like, you're alone. No, your mom is in Oregon. I mean, I have friends out here and everything. I just yeah. miss you guys. As it should be. <laughs> no offense to the new friends. I got a DM from um, Jeanette. Is it Jeanette? Yeah. I'm not going to like dox her by saying her last name, but it is on her Instagram account. She DM'd me something on Instagram. And then I, I don't know if she knows that I run the Instagram account, but I run the Instagram account. Anyways, and then it was a story that disappeared and I didn't get to see it. And I'm really sad about it because I'm like, oh, I, I was going to read her meet cute at the end of today. So we'll get to it. We'll get we'll come back to Jeanette for sure. Shouts out. She's the greatest. But again, how dare you try to take Julie as my friend? <laughs> She's she lives in in California. She's an older friend. Wait, I thought she was an Oregon friend. No, Jeanette lives in California. When did you meet Jeanette? Now we're just calling out Jeanette. When did you meet it's, Jeanette? That's even a, worse that she knows you from California. Long, long, long-term friend of my husband. Oh, so was she at the wedding? Yes, she was his best woman. Oh, my God. Then I do know who she is. Yes, you Oh, do. my God. Oh, now I feel bad. I'm like, we were in a wedding. <laughs> to be fair, I kind of blacked out at your wedding. I, so I mean, I black out at everyone's weddings except my that's own, fair. so it's fine. God, we have really fun uh, stories of the things that you've done at weddings, but... <laughs> Hey, you too. Didn't you throw your eyelashes off on the dance floor at mine? I've done that at two weddings. <laughs> I did that at your wedding and Brittany's wedding. I'll probably do it at my own wedding because eyelashes do not stay on my face. And as soon as they start peeling up, they're coming off. That's fantastic. Um, I just said all of that to the internet. You know what? It's fine. I'm not ashamed. They need to make better eyelash glue for people with eyelids like mine. You only need to look good for the pictures and then you can look like a bag of trash if you want. See, this is your wedding. That's accurate. I mean, yeah. our photographers literally said that they don't stay through the whole night because they're like, we just get the cute photos of everyone on the dance floor um, before everyone gets really trashy because you don't yep. want those pictures anyway. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that. Yep. And I'm like, are we going to do a sparkler goodbye? I don't know. Probably not. I don't really need to have it photographed. And at this point, are we going to have a wedding with a bunch of people in it? <laughs> I don't know. Um <laughs> Save the dates went out. <laughs> I don't know about anything else anymore. That's something. Yeah, we got invited. Oh, my God. We were, like, going to do all this stuff when we went to India, and I don't even think that's going to happen anymore. But, hey, you know what? Love of my life. I always joke that I'm like, I would marry you with 10 people or no people, and that and might end up becoming the reality. So. <laughs> um, cool. I think, 
I, I this book took me a while and not because it wasn't a hoot but just because holidays and life and everything got in the way oh yeah but I really I guess we can get into the book because I'm talking about it now I really Intro enjoyed it. the hell out of it you gotta name the book we haven't even named it yet um do you want that me to involve me pulling it up really quickly I will I will name it because I remember <laughs> it is mm, no go ahead <laughs> I lost it the book is called the duke who didn't by Courtney Milan it's super cute I loved it I loved it so much that um I read it on the plane to New Hampshire and I got it on my Kindle I was just reading on my phone and I don't think that this was the book um you're supposed to cry through it's not that book no but did I cry like silent sob the entire like eight hour <laughs> flight yes I did we might have to unpack that a little because I didn't cry once in this book. I thought you said that we weren't going to do therapy on this podcast. This is between I, me and my therapist. This has nothing to I, do with you. This is a lot. I, I know. I there was never even any real conflict. No, it's like book. a what it's like a light about? it's a lighthearted romp. Yeah, I cried so much <laughs> that it was like Evan looked at me and was like, "Are you okay?" And oh I was like, God. don't look at me. And I was sniffling and I'm like, everyone's going to think I have COVID, but I'm just depressed. I'm just crying at a book. Yeah. Um, I'm not ashamed of public crying, but it wasn't the right time, I think, to be sniffling that much on a plane. <laughs> Should we unpack it? I don't know. Do you want to say why you were crying? You don't have to. You know, what? maybe we'll get into it while we talk about the plot of the book. Okay. Let's talk about the plot It of the has book. a lot to do with the plot of the book. Um. You read this book like yesterday or day before yesterday. It was somewhat recently, yes. I read this book a month ago and I started to page through it, which is where my notes kind of came from. But then after a while, I gave up and I was like, I'll never be able to get enough notes. So I'm just going to rely on my memory. So I'm going to rely on you to do a bit of a plot summary. Yeah, the the like elevator pitch version of it is that um, a duke falls in love with a girl from one of his townships that he essentially owns or rules over um, as children. And he visits her every year um, as part of a sort of festival game thing that they do. And we'll get into more detail, but that's, this is again, the, the quick pitch. And then when he's finally ready to admit he loves her and marry her, he basically has to uh, visit her again after a long time and find a way to, admit to her that he's the duke because he's been hiding his identity from her from the entire town basically um at the same time the female lead um is working with her father to create a sauce like a canned sauce company um to enact revenge on another sauce company that threw her father out like into the street with nothing and stole his recipe years and years and years ago um, so that's what she's worried about <laughs> at the time so of this. So fun. And he's worried about making her fall in love. She is a, like, very kind of type A character, and her whole thing is, like, she makes lists for things. And he's a very carefree, roguish, fun, funny guy. So, of course, that's a great romance Literally trope, my favorite. Yeah. I think of all of the tropes and character types, archetypes that I love, this is literally my favorite. Is it? Is it because it's you, Shruti? Shut up. You shut your mouth. <laughs> you don't look at me with those those eyes of yours. How dare you? Um, I'm Is it because it's your your relationship like right now? 
Oh, man. It's been a hard year, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and actually, you know how you're the one that always has quotes? Yes. I pulled a quote, Julie. I have to open it on my Kindle. I learned how to do it. So I have um, a compulsive list-making habit, and it's not because I see myself so much in this character, so don't look at me like that. But there was one quote. It was like one of the first ones that I highlighted, and I am going to read a quote today, not Julie. Maybe Julie, but also me. Was there anything in life more pleasurable than the sensation of striking a dark line through an item on one's list with a pencil? Yes, there was the visceral sensation of taking out one's pencil and striking a dark line through the last item on one's daily list. And I'm like, that's it. That's her in a nutshell. And I love that about her. I also feel like we may have glossed over the fact that they're Chinese. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Chinese and half Chinese main characters. Yes. Chloe. In what what era? Regency. Is this Regency? I would have called this a Regency. Okay. Mm. I don't know if these... I don't, Victorian? I don't know Edwardian. What Regency, Edwardian. Don't Who know cares? what any of those actual time periods are. Genre, I would just call this Regency romance, but the leads are Chinese. Yeah, it's awesome. And I would say that to me, it did not feel um, like tokenized at all. It felt so natural and comfortable. It was written very plausibly in a way that made sense. And the cultural aspects of it were very well thought out and integrated and it just felt like very this is a part of the book and I'm happy about it there was yeah a whole plot line about how he's like I'm Chinese I'm British because I you know have lived here for so long but I'm never gonna be British enough or white enough essentially for you um so I'm gonna stop minimizing who I am and and who I love who happens to be a Chinese woman and everything like that I don't know there was a very a very fuck colonial Britain message in this that I quite liked (laughs) (laughs) I also liked it. And I think when we talked about Regency before, I was like, will I ever come to a place where I just like don't like Regency? I'm like, probably not. But then then I'm like, then I read a book like this and I'm like, yeah, this is how it's done. I love this so much. I loved this book. I quite liked this book. I can't say I loved it, but I quite liked it. I loved this. This is going to go into my category of reread. Oh, yeah. Rereads. It's definitely reread worthy. I think, okay, so I I quite liked it all. Characters are great. Um, I think it was just, I love a, like, fluffy book that is just, like, a joy from beginning to end sometimes. But I I don't always love when, like, a big secret or a big conflict of some sort is minimized to the point of insignificance. Essentially, the whole... The Duke thing? The only conflict that stretched beginning to end, thereby encompassing one full story, was the story... Well, the Saw story. Um, but for his from his angle, it was... He was hiding his identity. And at the end, he was like, oh, God, I have to tell you I'm the Duke. And she was like, yeah, we all know and we've always known. So it just... It makes me think back like, oh, there's no stakes then. There were never any stakes. They were always going to be fine together. See, I feel like... I actually really liked that twist, and I might have, like, a different perspective on why I liked it so much. Tell me. Because the stakes were, for him, the stakes were, like, astronomical the whole time. Like, I can't um, reveal my identity because then everyone's going to hate me because I own the town. But, like, as an Asian person, as a part of, like, a smaller Asian community... Maybe it's the gossip mill vibe of it where it's like this is a town of Chinese people or like Chinese adjacent, you know, immigrants in England. 
I just thought that was so funny that it's like, of course we know about the half Chinese Duke. Like, who are you kidding? We were just joking with you the whole time. We yeah. thought we you knew. And I just thought it was really funny because like- It was very funny. It felt like the rug got pulled right out under him and I was just like laughing. It no, it was funny. hilarious. I, I, I was like, I sort of like gasped when she admitted that she knew all along. And then I was so like, funny. oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> but it does just make me think back and go like, okay, well then this book doesn't, it's, this book is just about two people falling in love and nothing goes wrong. You know, like- there's colonialism never... <laughs> okay but even no. that even that he's like oh this no he bad. never he never got um you know like that place in london society that he was trying to get the entire time i felt no, like i'm not saying nothing goes wrong it. with their life i'm saying nothing goes wrong yeah. with the main plot of this which was the relationship there was never a oh, dip yeah. it was a, it was a steady build upward and then that was it <laughs> I've heard people talk about this like as a pet peeve of theirs in the community now that I'm like fully involved in social media of this and they call it like the miscommunication trope and they don't like it. Where like the entire plot fringes, fringes, hinges on miscommunication as like the main yeah. source of conflict. And I feel like that's probably what it is in this book that you don't like is that once the air is cleared, then there was never really anything to overcome yeah and i feel like for her there was never even any miscommunication to begin with like okay no I guess she the, knew the whole I guess time the only other conflict is that like she was like can i really trust him is he going to stay and he was like am i going to stay like i guess that's kind of conflict but even that mm -hmm. it was like she had decided she's like i'll leave with him if i if I, if it's him or if it's him elsewhere or nothing i'm gonna go with him so it was like well then that was never really a stake because but I they feel were gonna like be they together they didn't get that to that point of until like the end of the book where she was planning on leaving with him. Well, maybe we should tell a little bit about the book, because, again, we dove right into plot points without actually explaining what happens in this book. Well, we book. talked about the general plot. I feel like um, hopefully people are reading these so that we don't just spoil them, because our retellings are broken and Frankenstein back together. But if you don't read it, <laughs> yeah, I guess we should give you a little bit more. So our, our main characters are Chloe, our female protagonist, who is a Chinese woman in England, and then Jeremy who is the Duke. Jeremy returns to town to woo Chloe. Chloe ain't got no time for him. She's like, you left me for years after you like professed your feelings to me and then just like abandoned me. And so I think that she is dealing with pretty intense abandonment issues that like, I can't trust this person to let him back into my life. But the attraction is undeniable. He is on a completely separate mission of, I'm going to marry her. That's it. He's like, I have to woo her. And then the wooing commences. And the way that he woos her is saying, make me a list of all of the qualities of a wife who would be exactly like you. Very obvious ploy. He's in love with her. He wants the list to be her exactly. It's like a slow play on getting her to realize that he is talking about her the whole time and then of course there's like a sexual awakening as a part of the plot line where she is like a virginal regency woman but like with desires <laughs> and he is also a virgin which i liked there was so much pining and just charming conversation before anything even remotely sexual happened and I was like, oh, maybe this is just a book that doesn't have sex in it. And then it was so sexual so quickly. It went zero to 60 and just absolutely slapped me in the face with sex. Yeah, I agree. I thought there could have been more of a build up to that. Mm -hmm. 
it was also raunchier than I expected. Like more, um, yeah, I guess just like filthier in, in, a, in a positive way. I don't mean that in a negative way, but <laughs> like a lot more nasty than I expected. Nasty? Well, a little <laughs> nastier than I <laughs> thought I think going there's in. like a scene, there's a scene where she's like, I don't know. Do you want to use euphemism? Or she was just like getting off to thoughts of him in bed. And it was like, all right. That's true. That did happen. I forgot. So there with was a little dad. bit of, little bit of buildup. I just realized I said with her dad. And then you kept talking. Said, yeah. With her fu- dad in the next room. Okay. I there it is. Finish. I didn't want to leave that there. That's really uncomfortable. Um, I'm trying to think of like other, other pieces I want to kind of bring up. So I feel like, yeah, the romance was a big part of it. I loved the dialogue. I thought the dialogue carried the whole thing for me. It was so great. Like, their banter was delightful. delightful and the way banter. that there was, like, really, like, pleasant turns of phrase in this. Like, it was written very, like, I don't know if they fluffy. Because I didn't think it was, like, written fluffy. But it felt, like, very... No, it was clever. Clever, I think, is the word I'm looking for. But not, like, so clever that you're annoyed by it. Clever in a comfortable way. Oh, just, like, other things in the book that I really liked... Uh, was the way that she talked about their specific Chinese culture, which was Hakka culture. (laughs) I don't know if I'm doing that right. I am not of any close uh, Chinese descent, but I really like that. And then the way that they described the food made me want to eat meat. Oh, my God. It made me want all of it so bad. So bad. And I don't even... I don't crave that, but man, I was just like, yeah, steamed buns with this mysterious sauce. It sounds so good. And that's like essentially where my notes kind of like petered out because I stopped rereading it. But um, I'm trying to also think about the way that her family dynamic was because that was like a big kind of twist. Okay. So I actually had a question about that. Sure. I felt like I didn't fully grasp the moment when she found out that her father wasn't her father but it was her uncle the whole time like wow really and then she started talking about something else (laughs) i was like wait hold on aren't you isn't your mind blown right now she said like one thing about it and then she moved on and i was like she you know what she did is she like ice planet barbarian that where she was like i don't have time to process this (laughs) life shattering news basically because i was sitting there like on the plane just like i'm sorry what let's go back a second so chloe our protagonist is being raised by a sing a single father we think and culturally if you go into the glossary of this book the author actually explains where she got all of the cultural pieces to kind of like put this story together which was really great especially for me because i don't know anything about like we know about like regency era england but we don't know about like regency era china and the things that were happening at that time that would have led to you know, like a revolt, her mom dying, her dad dying, all of these yeah. different things. Why they would have fleed to, I think, was it Jamaica? Where were they? I don't remember. They were on a colonial island at some point um, before they came to England. But essentially, Chloe's mother, before they fled because of some, I, I wrote it, I didn't write it down. I was reading it and then I didn't write it down. It was like the, the Taiping something leadership something that got overthrown and there was like a lot of chaos but historically in that time in China there was a time where women were given like positions of authority and there was a lot more equality and so her mom was like a leader of some sort in that regime before the leadership change and she had fallen in love with someone in that time frame had Chloe and then 
the mom had like a younger brother the whole time. As far as we know, for like three quarters of the book, the person raising Chloe is Chloe's birth father because that is what it is introduced as and explained. Three quarters of the way into the book, he's like, I'm not your birth father. I am your mother's younger brother. And your birth father like died getting you out of the country or something crazy like that. And your mom died in the so uprising. So I just have been raising you so that you had a father, essentially. Yeah. And that plot point was it. glossed over pretty hard, I think. They have one more very brief conversation about it. But in the moment, she's just like, what do you mean? And then she's like talking about the trials or something I, I, there's something else that she just moved yeah. on to and i'm like no no i would love some more information about yeah. that please and then they integrate um her mysterious father who like the uncle father no, the uncle father oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. i hate that um, it's true but i hate it i'm calling him it i'm sorry <laughs> but the uncle father <laughs> never knew his identity her real father was always like a mystery and that she had a bracelet that she wears all the time and then she thought it was from her mother but it was from her father the whole time so that there is like a ritualistic cultural aspect to the book of like praying to your past ancestors i'm gonna i'm gonna get in trouble for saying whatever this was incorrectly but like talking to her mom i think it was i think you're right right? i think it was talking to your ancestors or like yeah, praying and ho- like have, hoping they hear you at a shrine sort yeah. of thing. And if, we, by the way, if at any point we are culturally way the fuck off base, I sincerely hope somebody emails us and corrects us because we love to be corrected about stuff like that. Truly. Not like, that we, we, want, we have we been yet, but we would love to hear it. No, we, yeah, we don't want to be fucking up and then have nobody say, by the way, you're fucking yeah. up. We want to. We're PC queens. <laughs> Is that bad? Was that worse? <laughs> <laughs> that was way worse. That was worse than Uncle Father. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I just know that laugh was going to be so loud that the decibels just went off. <laughs> I like leaned away from the microphone. I hope I didn't just blow your eardrums out. Yeah. So then um, at the end of the book, like she integrates her father, her mysterious father into her like shrine ritual in the mornings uh, when she talks to her mother and now her father so that I guess that was like the closure there and that she's always going to see him. She just immediately adjusts. The very next time she goes and prays, she's like, oh, 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 by the way, also dead dad. Yeah. Like she just adjusts so quickly to that. And she seems to be so stubborn and resistant to change in every other part of the book. That's true. But that one, she's just like, all right. I agree. That did feel really rushed and strange um, in the the pacing of the book, especially since it was like huge. That's your dad the whole time. It was like right before the end. She is sacrificing every minute of every day to help her uncle father live his saw stream. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even wrong. It's not wrong. Factually, that is a correct way of stating the plot of this book. The right thing. She's working herself to the bone for her uncle father. And his sauce. And his sauce. And I mean, to be fair, I loved her uncle father. I thought he was a hilarious character. Um, that he kept, like, overspicing Jeremy's food because he was mad at Jeremy for, like, lying. We thought that he was mad at Jeremy for leaving and not coming back. We find out that he was mad at Jeremy for not telling Chloe and, like, owning up to the fact that he's actually a duke and being honest about his past. Um, but he just keeps, like, giving Jeremy, like, super spicy food just the whole time. Just like, you know what? You're a dick. <laughs> If you want to be and then here, Jeremy, suffer. Out of a mixture of respect and also not wanting to, um, like, sort of give in 
and be the weenie that this guy thinks he is. He just eats <laughs> the crazy spicy food every time. It was very cute. It was um, cute. I liked that. Very like respectful and cute and funny. And um, I liked it. You want to talk about the Wedgeford trials? That whole weird thing? <laughs> That's some weird white people shit. It is I mean, historical from the glossary. It's like a real. It's real? It's like a real. I didn't read the glossary. I don't think the Wedgeford trials specifically are a real thing, but they are based on like real things. On real white people shit. That's your. That's literally. Well, no, you're. Are you English by any? I don't know. You're Polish. We all are technically because of what they did. I don't know. Everyone. Everyone was colonized at some point. Your mom is like a hundred percent Polish. Yes, but. So I wouldn't be like, oh, you're English white. when you're Polish. You know, your dad's like Canadian, I think, or something. Quite white. Yeah, but Canadian probably means British too. Probably Back far enough. Your dad looks kind of English, not to like talk shit on your dad, but he looks like an English descendant. <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to listen to this, hopefully. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Good. Also, saying your dad looks English is probably not a, an insult to a 60-year-old man. <laughs> Unless you're talking to me. <laughs> no, I like your dad. Anyways, um, I forgot what we were saying. Oh, the Wedgeford trials. Fucking weird, weird activity. But I guess you didn't have TV. You didn't have Netflix. You didn't have Paramount Plus where you could watch Paranormal Activity 6. You just had to hide rocks in the woods and try to find them. That's it. That, it's capture the flag between. So the town of Wedgford, which is um, like this lovely immigrant community in England, like filled with just Chinese people and like a couple white people, reminded me a lot of where we grew up, where it was like a lot of Asian people and a couple white people. They have this like annual tradition called the Wedgeford Trials, which is like what brought Chloe and Jeremy together as young children because Jeremy was kind of like running away from like his English heritage and his stupid English cousin that he didn't like who was kind of a dick and ended up like hanging out at the town of Wedgeford right when the trials were starting and was introduced to Chloe, who was also a child at the time, who was going to kind of explain to him the ritual of capture the flag with rocks and i forgot what they call the rocks there's some like silly term for it wedge lot oh that's so bad <laughs> i'm not blaming the author i'm fully just blaming the country of oh, england just blaming english people <laughs> yeah, yeah totally it's like that glossary is so intense like she gives so much historical background to everything i didn't even get is through it the all end of it or the beginning it, on kindle it was at the very end oh i see that's why i didn't see it okay yeah. i gotta go back and read that it's really good because she talks a lot about her history with this culture and then the food and England and all that stuff that you want to know about. So it was really good. It was very in-depth. So that's how they meet. And then every year these trials happen again. And that's why why Jeremy kept coming to the town annually until he finally kisses Chloe and they're like cute. She's like, hey, I need you to be serious because you're never serious about anything. Like I need you to be serious about this, like this relationship. And he's like, I'll be serious for you. And then he goes off and then I don't know how they to. They don't ex- kiss each other in that visit, by the way. I thought they did kiss each other. When they, they get were- very close to it. And she's, she interrupts him right before and says, if you're going to do this, you have to be serious. Ah, it's like the don't break my heart thing. And then she regrets it because she's like, I should have just should have just kissed that guy. He hot. Been there, done that, Chloe. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> oh, regret. Anyways. Um <laughs> Oh, we were all sad and young once. Anyway, so Jeremy goes off, and in his attempt to become more serious, he, like, goes to Oxford, one of those, like, posh 
schooling things and he decides that he's like going to become an expert at all things seriousness which to him means like English culture and taking his position as essentially English royalty seriously is going to go to court and try to like make a difference for himself and his community because he is half Chinese and he gets sabotaged because he is half Chinese and the English are historically terrible terrible Nobody disagree with me. I will not take that feedback. <laughs> you can send all the hate mail you want. I will not read that. Um, Julie will screen the English uh, hate mail for me. Do you feel like this episode is like a fever dream? <laughs> oh, man. There's a weird vibe today. Maybe I have COVID. Am I having a fever dream? Maybe. If you do, I do too, because the vibe okay. is weird all around. Is there like a, is the moon full? Like, I don't understand why I feel so You've insane. like already asked, you've already invented Uncle Father as a term and had like invited British people to basically come fight you on the internet. So like. I would actually love to fight. One. Not that I, no, I would love to fight British people. You know that about me. Um. And if you're like a good British person, you're not the kind of person that's going to fight me on this. If you're fighting me on this, we have beef, all right? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so he goes and he tries to, uh, like, you know, from the inside out, kind of like fix English society, which doesn't work. And he kind of discovers that his only way in is by being kind of like this humorous, laughable kind of character, like affable. People like him. But they don't take him seriously because of his culture. And painful that that realization is, it takes him a couple of years to kind of get to the point where he's like, I tried to be serious for Chloe and it didn't work. But that doesn't mean that my love has died and I still want to make this work because I love her. And that's why he ends up back in Wedgford at the trials again. Where you hide rocks in the woods and then you go find them. Yeah. And then they like make out and stuff and it's cute in the woods. Hiding the rocks. Hiding the rocks, man. They were, like, hiding um, because they also had, like, decoy rocks that they could hide. (laughs) I know it sounds so silly. It's so stupid. But they went to go hide. It's better than, like, committing war crimes. Like, I'll take it, England. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. That's why it's the cool melting pot town that does these things instead of war crimes. Oh, man. Like, when we went to Spain, I was, like, studying abroad, and I learned historically that, like, for entertainment, like, and I'm talking hundreds of years ago, but... Spanish people would climb to the tops of towers with goats and just throw them off. <laughs> like, this is better than that. Did you know, we talked about this. This is a derailment. We talked about this on Thanksgiving. There's some town that on Thanksgiving would fly like a little prop plane over the town and throw a bunch of turkeys out, like live turkeys, which do not fly. So they would just hit the ground and die. And this happened up until like, I want to say the 70s. <laughs> I don't know what that's awful. And I mean, America only does Thanksgiving. That's fucked up. It's called Yellville, Arkansas. And they did okay. it every year. Um, and I guess that's a, like PETA had to get involved in shit because they're like, you can't just murder all these turkeys by throwing them out of a plane. Please. Maybe they came from like that town in Spain where they would throw the goats off the towers. <laughs> Maybe it's like an old tradition. Oh, I guess man. throwing animals off of high things is what's up. Man, I went to a bullfight. Um, and I'm just like the atrocities that we commit towards animals make me sad. I can't believe you of all people went to a bullfight. It was a mistake. I wish I hadn't gone, but <laughs> like I went because it was like cultural, and I was studying abroad, and I wanted to experience 
the culture. And I, I tried not to be judgmental. I didn't, like, you know, cause a scene or anything. But I definitely wanted to barf. Like, I saw a man get gored. It was... And that's not even, like, this was, like, an amateur night. It wasn't even, like, professional bullfighting. <laughs> I'm sorry, amateur Yeah, it's, like, a thing. We were in Madrid. Um, <laughs> I still have, like, a postcard that I bought, like, long before I went to the actual bullfight that has bullfighting on the postcard, like, a pretty art drawing. And every time I look at it, I'm like, I wish I had bought a different postcard. This one makes me sad. <laughs> but it was amateur night. Um, we're, like, amateur bullfighters. And the first, like, hour is all presentations, so it's just a bunch of dudes in their really cool regalia, doing the cool moves with the capes and the swords, and you're like, the music's loud, you're having a good time, we're all having a good time, and then the bullfighting starts, and the amateur bullfighters aren't very good at killing a bull the way that they're supposed to, like, in a professional, like, a plus bullfight so it's like instead of doing that kill shot like right in the neck yeah they just keep sticking swords in the poor bull and the bull is just and pissing it off yeah but they're not doing it they're trying to do it right i guess i I don't want to be like you don't know because there's a lot of young people in spain that are very against bullfighting so i'm going to come out very firmly against bullfighting but it was like torture night it was yeah that's a recipe for torture it was like six swords stuck into this young bull and the bull is just like bleeding out in front of me and i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna vomit i have to leave i was like broken for a week i didn't do well and then the guy got gored like another guy came out and he just got straight up gored and i don't know if he lived or died i never found out what happened to that guy oh my god this is not Gordon romantic. Ma- where, I'm sorry, where in his, everyone. <laughs> where in his body did he get gored? Like the full, I mean, like imagine a guy getting pinned up against a wall with horns and the thing's oh. just like pushing into him. Like, and then, you know, it's not the bull's fault. Like, well, no. Bulls aren't going to attack you unless you like try to hit him with swords. <laughs> like, it's really rough. Um, Can I? I like I, it. I, didn't like it. The Yellville, Arkansas. I was wrong about the last year that Yellville, Arkansas stopped doing the turkey Was thing. it like this year? <laughs> this is tw- 2017. Ew. <sighs> it's so upsetting. I mean, turkeys are dumb, but like, don't throw them out of planes. You know what? When we went to the gentle barn, there were like turkeys you could pet there. I, I did not. Chill. I did not want to pet a turkey because I'm afraid of turkeys, but I'm not stupid. Like, just because it's the gentle barn doesn't mean that thing can't turn on me. But you know... Don't throw them out of don't throw them out of planes. What's wrong with you people? There's a flock of wild turkeys that wanders around the town where I work, and sometimes I just have to like stop the car and let a bunch of turkeys cross the road. That's adorable. I like that. Yeah, they're chill. They're pretty cool. Moral of the story: We like animals. I don't know how we got on this topic. I couldn't even tell you. We're talking about rocks in the woods. <laughs> where did the bullfighting come from? <laughs> I don't know. It's a fever dream. <laughs> I can only imagine this is either going to like really turn people off of our podcast or it's going to win them over entirely. No in between. There's no gray area in this episode. This episode was chaos. We've already stopped and started like twice. <laughs> yeah, that's a good sign. Editing is going to be a nightmare. I apologize. Um, so do you have a favorite part of this book? That's a really good question. I don't know if I could actually specifically pick out um, a favorite part I just remember maybe because reading it was a little bit of a fever dream for me the first time like I actually do want to read it when I'm more like lucid I was really (laughs) sleep deprived because we had woken up like in the middle of the night to get on this plane and then I had a full caffeinated drink so I was just like caffeinated 
exhausted on the first day of my period. My hormones were out of control. I was already Mm -hmm. so emotional. And like the last six months for me have been like nightmarishly stressful. So when I was reading the story of Chloe, all I could think was, I need help. (laughs) I want someone to come into my life and take things off my plate. Yeah. Like that's come up in therapy a lot recently where I'm like, Wendy, who's my therapist, I'm like, Wendy, what do you do when like work is too much and your personal life is too much? And then like your friends are almost too, like everything just feels like it's so much that you don't have anywhere to escape. And so then, you know, like, what do you do then? And her solution was going back on the antidepressants, which was not a bad solution. Um, Awesome. But I just read this, like, the first five pages, and I was already crying because I'm like, I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, okay, it's not a part. It's not a a specific scene. The part of the book that I liked the most was probably – Jeremy's just character in general he is like my favorite romantic archetype of like the fun loving romantic hero um with a heart of gold because he wasn't like fun loving and dismissive he was fun loving and entirely respectful of the things that mattered totally he was like if it matters to her it matters to me which again I think just going through life being so I mean Everything about Chloe was, like, a little too close to home for me. But being so dismissed um, for being, like, a tough, cold, kind of, like, I don't know, who gets called a bitch when they're 10? I do, <laughs> you know, like, from family members. It's weird. But <laughs> God. anyways, like, I get it. And people can be very dismissive of characters like that for their efficiency and their coldness and stuff. And so, like, the way that Jeremy – specifically, the way that Jeremy – cared about chloe's lists in specific felt like peak romance to me i was like that is love you're not even and when he like defended her um because some other dudes were making fun of her list and they like took her list away how dare they and they were like waving it around and being like douchebags about it and he like brings the list back and he's like only I get to do that. And even he admitted that he would never do it again because the one time he did it, it made her cry. And he's like, I never want to make you cry again. Oh, my God. A plus. I loved him so much. He was a really charming character for sure. He's probably going into like a category of like my favorite romantic heroes of all time. I loved him so much. Because he was soft boy in terms of his feelings for her. But he was like kind of cheeky in the way that he treated her and like mischievous. And then also like badass when it came to standing up to his aunt at the end. He was he had all the bases covered. He was fully realized and wonderful. Yeah, like if we're gonna have fluff, give me this fluff, you know? Yeah. And it was cute, like when he was a virgin and like their first sexual encounter, and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I've like been waiting for you since I was twelve years old. <laughs> I love that so much. It's oh, it's so romantic. He figured it out. they always do they always do in these books they do yeah julie what was your favorite part um i don't have a specific one necessarily um i quite liked how this is just a, a, a part that stands out to me um how when she decided she was ready to bang this guy she was like oh we'll let fate decide wink wink if there's only one room at the inn like they had the one big bed fan fiction style like trope i loved it of if there's only one room at the end, then we'll just have to change in front of each other, and then who knows what'll happen. 
And then when it came time, he the, the innkeeper after being racist was like, okay, we have four rooms. And she like slams money on the counter and she's like, no, you have one room. And he's like, I don't understand the game, but sure, I have one room. I loved um, that. And she, that was so funny. Yeah, she was like the master of her own destiny when she was like, you know what? Destiny is not like going to let me fuck this guy today, but I'm going to fuck this guy yeah. today no matter what. And she's like, I'm not going to be anyone than the person that I am. And I'm efficient is what I am. <laughs> so we're doing this right now. Oh, I love her. We have her. two hours. Time's the ticket. That was delightful. That was great. Yeah, it was funny. Um, is there a part of this that you didn't... I mean, I think we already talked about like a couple of things that we didn't like as much. Is there anything in specific that you'd call out in this book? I mean, the weirdness with the uncle father um (laughs) just kind of took me out of the narrative a little bit Mm. um and then i felt like there was a lot of build-up to this wedge lot trial or wedgeford trial thing like so much of it i guess the build-up was to them selling buns and sauce at the trials Mm -hmm. but to me because of his point of view and because of the fact that they were asked to hide one of the fake thingies um i was like oh the trials are gonna be like a big thing and like they weren't it was like four pages and it was mostly just like and then they sold a lot of buttons and like i don't know it felt a little anticlimactic in that regard to me i wasn't terribly interested in the trials like the actual trials themselves so i was kind of okay with that i'm like don't give me a whole chapter on the trials especially since they weren't even participating in them i guess i i thought that they would be dragged in somehow because of the way that everything else had been going the other thing was the arguably the part i was other than the romance most interested in was there like sauce vengeance and i felt like i we got a very very small picture of that in a second epilogue because there were two what was the first Um, epilogue maybe it was the first epilogue but there were two for sure the the, yeah the second one was when they had two children and they went and got their sauce revenge yeah that was the sauce i liked the sauce revenge but it did feel like it should have happened not in an epilogue yeah, like, I wanted it to be, like, a whole big thing. Oh, the first epilogue was when he had their house built in Wedgford. Oh, that was cute. And, like, carried her over the threshold, yeah. It does give you a lot of, like, classic, as my mom calls it, H-E-A, happily ever after. Um, she, always <laughs> oh, calls, she always calls these book H-E-A books because that's what they are. She's like, are you reading an H-E-A? I'm like, yeah, I'm reading an H-E-A. Um, and... The epilogue and the second epilogue are typical HEA in that you get like the marriage scene and then you get the in the future they have kids scene, which is like very classic romance trope um, vibes. I liked I liked that little second second epilogue. Because I also like vengeance, and I think that was great that they finally did. See, I like vengeance, and I wanted more. Like I wanted. I first of all, I I didn't love their like the kids were there i feel like they didn't add anything to oh, it oh no it didn't unless me. you want to see them with children and i feel like that's just kind of a conceit yeah. of the genre that's fair an older conceit um, not as much of a modern conceit i don't think that's necessary in a lot of modern um romance novels well i mean this book isn't old no it's not but it's also regency and i feel like they do give it a lot True. in regency where like and then they lived happily ever after she had kids and she didn't Made die a in bunch childbirth of babies yeah but she didn't die in <laughs> right. childbirth which happens a lot in this era in like first yeah wives. i didn't think the kids added a whole lot to it i just wanted it to, and it was it was also very like jeremy focused because he was being like really cheeky which i do like but i wanted her and i wanted her father to be like hyper involved in this revenge moment her uncle father um and it just i don't know it felt like a little bit flat to me when i was like that's that's the most conflicty part of it because literally every other conflict is is doesn't actually exist for both characters um but it you know at least they got it they got the revenge 
I will agree revenge. with you. I will agree with you on that. That I could have definitely had a lot more like, like legit rub it in their faces like revenge because yeah. they've been waiting and maybe we haven't talked about the history of the sauce P- people are probably wondering why do they want revenge so bad on these random people we don't even I mentioned know it briefly i but know yeah. but maybe we'll do like a little bit of a more of an explanation on what is the sauce that we keep talking about and like why do we want to um get revenge based on like sauce based revenge <laughs> so um after Chloe's father-uncle flees to, I think, Jamaica or, like, an island that's a colonial island, he runs into these two English dudes who hire him to become, like, a cook and develop a sauce. And the sauce, um, because it's based in, like, traditional Chinese cooking methods, it required, like, a level of fer- fermentation that they didn't allow the sauce to have and so they were like this sauce is terrible we take your recipe and we kick you out on the streets and they did this after he they had brought him to england so now he's like pretty much in england with no resources and this baby and he's just like now i gotta figure out how to live and so they're not destitute by the time that we start the book but chloe is definitely poor and her sorry did they they actually took the sauce like they they did and that's how they made the they call it like english sauce or like pure english sauce or something something stupid like best english sauce something really dumb and super english even though it's technically um like chinese (laughs) the sauce that they're selling i think it's white and whistler's pure english sauce disgusting sounds horrendous would never want to eat sounds like Worcestershire sauce which I've never had in my life and I just it doesn't say you've never had that it doesn't sound good though and I can say that because it sounds like putting my nose up in the air and like you know my pinky in the air I don't like it yeah putting your little snoot up in the air um so they've stolen his sauce recipe and have started to sell it and then it becomes like super famous it's the most famous wealth generating sauce in England and they left Chloe's father uncle destitute and so he has spent like a full decade trying to redevelop a new sauce and the sauce is created with um, an ingredient that's only found in Wedgford which kind of also ties into the end of the book that the sauce could only have been um, like from Wedgford because the ingredient can only be found in Wedgford and they keep saying it's an English sauce, it's an English sauce, because it's made in England. Sorry, no, they keep saying it's a Chinese sauce. <laughs> I fucked it up. They keep saying it's a Chinese sauce because it's made by Chinese people. And at the very end of the book, they say, like, no, this is English sauce because it could only be made in England. It's Wedgford sauce. Like, all of us, these transplants, and, like, Jeremy, who's half English, we're all English. We're here. We don't look like you, but we are English. We're from here. And, like, Wedgford is its own special place that... Um, I love that. So they end up naming the sauce Wedgford sauce. Um, Wedgford Brown. Doesn't sound appetizing. <laughs> Wedgford nope. Brown. All, almost as bad as pure English sauce. But I mean, again, I've eaten English food before. Didn't like it. Didn't like yeah, it. You're so not alone there. This suits. I had your, um, I don't even know, like just plain old potatoes with no seasoning. I didn't like it. <laughs> Anyways, England was fun. We ate a lot of Indian food when we went to England because the food was better. Um, A plus Indian food out there. We reverse colonized that country and we took over their cuisine and I'm happy about it. <laughs> it's great. Everywhere I went in England and like Scotland and Ireland, you can get banging Indian food. 
<laughs> Even when I went to Spain, I ate Bangladeshi food because we reverse colonize everywhere. <laughs> Get them. Get them. You colonize us, we colonize you back. <laughs> but just in the cuisine section. Also doctors. What's up? Yeah. Not me. Couldn't be me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. No. Oh my gosh. My brother is dating a doctor right now, an Indian doctor. And it's like, whoa, there, but for the grace of God, go on. <laughs> oh man. No, she's great. But it looks so stressful to me. She's like saving kids' lives. She's yeah. a pediatric gastroenterologist. Gross. Um, so they get the Wedgeford Brown and it all just kind of ties back into, um, the concept of nationality and like where you're from, I guess. I don't want to say loyalty. It's like that where you're from vibe, um, which I think is huge in any immigrant story, that feeling that you don't belong anywhere, finding the place where you belong and creating a community, uh, which was great. And then the revenge piece of it is that we are just waiting because Uncle Father and Chloe are gagging for revenge the entire book they are both like this is the most important thing to us we will get revenge on what were their names again this white stupid... and whistler or something like that yeah white and whistler are these dudes that like ruined our lives and stole our recipe and are terrible and that's why we've been talking so much about how the revenge didn't feel satisfying enough because after the whole book lead up it was kind of like in your face would you like some Wedgeford Brown with that? Goodbye. They, I mean, they do. They do basically drive them out of business. They're, they they're, do. They are no superior to sauce. Um, mm-hmm. And but I just, I guess, I just wanted more of that. Like I wanted. They were just like, oh, they were making like very like high society kind of snarky comments, and I wanted them to like, I wanted her to like crush one of their necks with her heel. Like I absolutely wanted her to destroy them. Well, I don't know if we would have gotten that in this type of. Well, a book. I want that in every book. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to read a different type of book for that. <laughs> I wanted her um, to spit in their faces. Like, I wanted her to destroy them. Oh, she um, never could, though. No, They're I very, know she never could. She's very cold and efficient. She just crossed. Actually, I like that when she crossed it off her list, because you imagine. But dad dad could have been crazy to them, and he didn't. No, but I feel like that wasn't really his character either, because even when he was torturing Jeremy, it was always very, like, eat the food. You know? It wasn't ever, like, you're a shitball, you know? <laughs> I just wanted somebody to call somebody a shitball. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> It's too much. Um, I do get it. Because, like, you really want them crushed. Yeah. But I think they did it in, like, that Regency kind of way. Although some Regency books do have violence. This one wasn't that book. I do love a little violence. Oh, man. A little bit like, that's my wife. And then just punch him in the face. That's my wife. I'm going to read you my favorite quote. (laughs) Yes, do it. Um, At some point. So there's a kind of a running train through this of like Chloe really kind of knows what's going on with him, but she just doesn't want to acknowledge it because A, she's fucking busy, busy lady. Um, She's very busy. And B, because she's like, you you haven't shown me that you've grown up, so you're just fucking around again. But at some point, like he's talking about the list and how he can be serious or whatever. um, And she says, why are you doing this? And he says, "Um, the question has never been who my list is about. It's been about whether she'll have me. And that was the moment that I was like, Ugh, oh, she's finally admitting it. That's so beautiful. And like she starts crying and it's like a whole moment. And I loved that. I highlighted a lot, but I am also not going to read all of them. But and I don't even think this is in my popular highlight section. But oh, no, here we go. Um, 
I'm sorry, everyone, because you have so many quotes, but I want one more and then I'm done with my quotes. But it was just a description of Jeremy when he first kind of like enters the book. And um, I just thought it was so perfectly encompassing that archetype and the way that it was written made me feel like butterfly vibes. Um, He looked the way laughter sounded. He was tapping his lips with one finger and smiling down at her with unholy glee. He had always looked like he was laughing at her. And I just loved that. Because he wasn't laughing at her, but he just, he looked like laughter. Like he, that's just who he was as a person. And I love that. Yeah. All right, Shruti, what is your sentiment rating for this book? Because I cried a lot on the plane reading this. I honestly was going to give it a 10 out of 10. I was. And in our convo, you kind of brought up some things where I was like, yeah, that wasn't entirely the best. Like the uncle father thing (laughs) didn't really carry a lot of weight. And then um, how quickly they went from like very little intimacy to like we bang in. I'm like, there could have been a lot more buildup in that. So I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. Oh my God. All that. And I only dropped it one. I mean, not that I'm trying to drop it. Like it if you like it. You can't. I loved it so much. It almost got 10 out of 10 for me. Wow. Nine out of 10. I'm going to reread this again. I loved it. I am going to give it a seven. That's fair. Yeah. I enjoyed the heck out of it. It just, um, and I love fluff from time to time. Um, it was just quite, I don't know. Something about it was just not fully there. It was, it was, I think you like a more of a plot driven book too. And this was definitely not as plot driven as some, like with, in terms of stakes and like, yeah, I just need like a stake. I just need like one. I don't. That's the difference between (laughs) you and I. I can read two people falling in love with nothing bad happening for my entire life. That's valid. It's the Hallmark movie. What is your uh, your spicy rating? I don't even remember the spicy scenes in this one that much because I read it like a month ago. I will tell you, she filthy. They were talking about like entering her an inch at a time. Like I, I, some of these books get like very an vague. inch at a time. Like very vague it? about like they're mm. like oh yeah blah 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 and then the curtains closed and then the lights went out and blah blah you know it's very like oh, sitcommy. No. They were like, here is the act. <laughs> it step by step, beginning to end. Here is the act. I know, but it's like how much did it resonate with you? If I can't even remember any of the details. I mean, apparently not that much. I was gonna give it an eight out of spice for spice. I'm gonna give it. I remember it being filthy. I just don't remember much of the filth. And I kind of liked, um, oh my gosh, I was just stupid reading it. They're just flirting was really cute, but that's not the really The flirting spice. was really cute. The kiss was fine. They kissed once and then straight up went to banging. They banged in the hotel oh, yeah. room and then they also banged in like that field of trees once. They banged in a field of trees? I don't remember any of that. <laughs> they, I just remember them banging in the hotel and then like a kiss that was like They go nice. back to town and he's like going to say goodnight to her or whatever and then- I, or I don't remember if it was. When Wasn't she drunk that night? And then no, that was a different night. You're thinking. It was after they had sex in the hotel. They later on went and were like walking around the town. And then yeah. they, he like banged her on a tree. He banged her on a tree. He Good sure for did. them. Good for them. <laughs> I'm going to give it five out of ten just because I can't remember half of the sex scenes. Okay. They didn't resonate as much for me. Fair enough. Yeah. The Duke who didn't. By Courtney Milan. I want to read more of her books because apparently this is a series and there's I would, more in I it, would read so. more. Yeah, that was enjoyable. I want to know who else is. Um, I bet her friend is going to be in one of them. Her fr- Oh, her like barmaid friend? That's not the right term. Yeah. yeah. From the re- her restaurateur friend. There you go. That's the right one. <laughs> who was like, you got better come up with a name for this because I got to sell this tomorrow. <laughs> Wedgford Brown. All right. Yeah. 
Wedgeford Brown, the grossest sauce name for the cutest sauce love story. Ew. That's oh, it. no. All of that was bad. Yeah. It's been Do a weird you day. Have... <laughs> it's been such a weird day. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> um, do you have fan mail? I have a meet cute to read from a fan, and it's Jeanette, Yay. the one we were talking about earlier. Shout out. She has a super cute meet cute. It's a, it's a little long. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to edit it, though, because I love it. So I'm just going to read the whole thing. Do it. I was a dog walker. I got an email from a girl who brought her brother's new Shiba Inu puppy out to him from Missouri. I went for the initial meeting with my boyfriend at the time. I definitely thought he was cute. The guy was cute. The next day, my boyfriend and I come to walk the dog. Blah, blah, blah. A leash gets dropped. The dog runs and hides under a car, gets a little run over, and her leg pops out of a socket. I rush her to the vet. She stays a couple nights and comes home hobbled, but fine. Oh, my God. He doesn't hire me as a dog walker because anyone can drop the leash once, but after that kind of trauma, he knows I'm not going to drop it again. I walk the dog for like a year, during which I get engaged, then unengaged. And then the guy says he doesn't need me to walk the Shiba anymore because he's not that busy at work. So I keep the key for emergencies per his request. The holidays roll around and he took the Shiba to see his family in Missouri. His friend was supposed to feed his fish, but the friend's wife went into labor. So he texted and asked if I could feed his fish. Easy peasy. A week later, we run into each other at the dog park. We say hi. He says, I owe you for the fish. I say, nah, I was in the neighborhood. He asked about my boyfriend. I said, we broke up. He asked when. I said, four months ago. We said bye and left. 20 minutes later, I get a text. If I can't pay you for the fish, can I take you out to dinner? And now we're married and have the cutest baby Julie has ever seen. And she says that because I tell her all the time that, like, I'm not always into babies, but she has the cutest baby I've ever seen. Oh, my God. I'm her friend on Instagram. I can stalk this baby. Stalk the baby. He's so cute. Mad baby fever. Anyways. (laughs) I don't. And, like, that baby makes me go, like, okay, I kind of get it. Like a Gerber baby? Perfect Gerber baby. How old is the baby? Blonde curls. Oh, that is actually like genuinely, except for the dog getting injured. (laughs) He, she essentially, sorry, Jeanette, let his dog get hit by a car and then he married her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, my jokes, I can't say them because it's a real person, not a book. (laughs) That's actually the cutest story though. Did you guys go to their wedding? Yeah. How was that? She looked like a fairy princess, and it was beautiful. What do you think? As she should. Who? Wh- okay. I'm like, I have questions. This is a real person. This is exciting to me. And I don't know this person, which makes it more fun. But we can take this offline. Jeanette, I'm sorry I forgot that I actually have met you before. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry that I was um, really inebriated for most of our first encounter. Um, I look forward but to meeting you again. thank you for sending again. us fan mail. Yes. That Super was delightful. Cute. And um, if you guys have meet cutes to the people that are out there, we have TikTok followers and Instagram followers. I don't know if any of that actually translates to people listening to this podcast, but I know you're out there. And if you have meet cutes or, you know what, what if your meet cute was like my meet cute and you met on an app, but you know, you fell in love and now you're going to get married. I'd like to hear that too. We met online. We met on a dating app too. Yeah. Was it Plenty of Fish? It was Plenty of Fish or okay, Cupid. We had we were mm. both on both, so we don't remember now which one we actually met on. Bumble. Bumble. Evan still Bumble's has a bumblebee next to his name on my phone, and I'm never going to change it because that's, that's quite cute. That's how we met on Bumble, and he is a bumblebee forever. That's a meet cute. It's quite a meet cute. Our first date was at a coffee shop. <laughs> and I had like so was ours. One foot <laughs> out the door because I was just like... 
tired of like dating dudes and he was late and I'm like I waste no time on no men anymore for the rest of my life but I met him and I'm like oh shit you're like really hot and really cute and really nice and you're gonna really marry him I didn't dislocate a dog's leg (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's so wild that's so funny I met their dog too and she's also amazing and alive I have a weird request for the internet that I just want to put out there can I put it out there, Julie? Please. Because we're always asking for book recommendations, but I'm actually super curious about fan fiction. And there's like apparently like a lot of dope fan fiction out there. And I think because I'm adjacent to fan fiction on my social media, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about it. I never got into it. A lot of our friends did. I did. What's your like, what's your like holy grail, you know, what is it? Tell me. Yeah, I want to read, read some it. stuff. I'd read it. Yeah, for sure. If it's not like an 85 chapter one, we could probably read a couple and then just do like a fan fiction episode. That would be so fun. Right? I heard like Marauders fan fiction is still out there. And you know, we're Harry Potter freaks. So like that'd be I fun. I played you Dobby Hagrid uh, fan fiction read onto a YouTube video and you weren't interested. So. <laughs> oh my god don't claim to be a harry potter fan didn't Brittany like send a quote from that thing about like crawling up or like swimming somewhere it's horrifying Horrifying. i don't want to say it i don't want to say it because it's too gross but it's not for this podcast Brittany quotes it sometimes when she haunts her maybe we'll do a segue into like a weird (laughs) dark fan fiction episode oh wait if we're gonna do a fan fiction episode we have to do at least one weird piece of fever dream garbage wasn't that what this episode was? It sure feels like fever dream garbage right also, now. That's what the tagline should be. We went into this book and we didn't even thank Joanna for recommending it in our last episode. Oh yeah, episode. Joanna recommended this book. I was a little worried when we started this podcast. Like, what if I lose my love of romance novels because like it'll become homework? And then I read this book and I was like, that's never going to happen. I love it so much. If anyone has a really good paranormal romance, I like ghosts and shit. And so somebody recommend one of those for us. You have, is that the next book we're going to do? I have the next book in my hand. I just flipped it into screen like a creep. Intro it. So this book was loaned out to my friend, Brittany, in the year of our Lord, 2009. <laughs> oh, my God. And I haven't read it since probably 2008 or 2009 when I gave it to her. And it's been on my mind nonstop for like over a decade. Not nonstop, but it comes up every often like, I wonder if I'll ever see that book again. Does she have it? Does someone else have it? Because I used to loan out a lot of books. Turns out she did have it, and she gave it back to me a couple days ago. So I feel like I don't remember if this book is good or not, but I really want to read it. It is Honest Illusions by Nora Roberts, and it was published, I'm going to do it again, in the year of our Lord, 1992. (laughs) Oh, wow. And it is, should I read the back of it? It sounds fun. Yeah. It's about magicians. Oh, fuck yeah. It says, oh, I love it. It's such a 90s back of a book. I'm so excited. And like, I can't even show it, but it looks so dated and beautiful. It feels like I'm sitting. Yeah, the Kindle version cover is like very modern and pretty. And then yours looks like. I think mine was actually printed. (laughs) A shiny butterfly on a pink background. (laughs) This was printed in 1993. And it's been in my mom's box like ever since. Her box of books. Because my mom doesn't have a cute library. She has a gigantic box of books. That like that's kind of hilarious. It's like old books, but anyways, um, with honest illusions, national best-selling author Nora Roberts unveils a world where passion and mystery entwine, where nothing is as it seems. 
The daughter of a world-renowned magician, Roxy Nouvelle has inherited her father's talents and his penchant for jewel thievery. Into this colorful world comes Luke Callahan, conman, loner, lover. He's hmm. the escape artist who captures her heart and who keeps secrets that could send their house of cards tumbling. See, that sounds like conflict I could get behind. I'm excited. And I feel like there could be a lot of really problematic stuff in it, and I'm still excited. Oh, yeah. We're going to drag her. No. <laughs> we're going to we... pull all these receipts out if we have to. <laughs> we can't drag my queen. No, we're definitely <laughs> going to have to call out the problematic stuff because it's not 1992 anymore. So. This, that, Doku didn't. Zero problematic shit. It was great. Zero. I, I wouldn't even put a content warning on it, right? Like, it was I fine. mean, unless you're upset with sex, and then why are you listening to this podcast? I mean, yeah. I put in a, like an adult content warning, inter- yeah. sexual content warning. You're right. But other than that, there wasn't anything like triggering, upsetting, because there wasn't anything wrong ever <laughs> with any of it. There was a lot of emotional tension. Yeah. But that was it. No real stakes. Just like, we love each other, but how can this be, you know? I like it's horrible. it. Horrible. I, like I did it. like the book. I know I'm dragging it a lot, but I again I gave it a, a seven. I did. I like gave it. it a nine. I'm gonna read it again. I would read it again. It was good. Yeah, good times. Good times. All right, honest illusions next time. Yes. We're clearly on a very strict schedule, so you know exactly when that will be. Send us your emails at podofconvenience at gmail.com. Follow us on Oh, God, what are we on? We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. It's, on, it's in the description, all, all of our I know, Twitter, but I got all of our various handles. I work so hard. You got to let me list them. Do you know them all? Do you know all the handles? No, I have a way of I'm going to do it. Do we're it. on We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok at either Pod of Con or Pod of Convenience. Boom. I got right. it. I love it. I'm getting Julie into more TikToks. I have some ideas. I'm going to make her do them, so... I'm not going to do them. Or like request shit on any of our platforms. You can DM me. I missed the story from yesterday. My bad. But like slide into Shruti's DMs. She loves it. I've only had one person slide into my DMs and I got a little turned on. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Especially because it's Jeanette. Also, rate, review, and subscribe. And now we are on Apple Podcasts. So you can actually rate, review, and subscribe and do you can also do that on Spotify, I learned. You can give us five stars on Spotify or Apple. Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay, cool. Do that no- everywhere. Nothing less than five, guys. Five only. <laughs> we only have one review so far, and it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so please. I haven't even done it. <laughs> Julie. <laughs> Julie. The algorithm, Julie. I Yeah. I'll get around to it. Get around I to it. I think we're great. Five stars. This has been an absolute fever dream. We gotta go. It's a weird weird week. We're gonna go. We love you. We love you so much. So much. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.